people that you talk to, Springfield and Southwest Missouri is a place that is full of religious people. You go per capita, the amount of churches that we have in Springfield is almost shocking. Of every flavor, every stripe, um, you go to Nixa, Ozark, wherever, you can find a church almost in every corner. On, and corners all over the place. And you even sometimes go into town and you'll be driving around through a neighborhood and you'll see three or four churches even sprinkled in there. Um, and you do find a lot of religion. A lot of religion of, of many different kinds. People have, you know, some sort of profession of a relationship with God or they'll definitely attend church somewhere. Um, but... Just because we have religion, or just because we even have a church that we go to, or just because we're, we're dressed nice and we're here this morning um, in church, praise God for that, and, and that, that, that you all are here. I know it's hard sometimes when the preacher is away, that, that sometimes it's hard for people to want to come and hear some different guy preach, and you don't know who's going to be here, or somebody's sick, or it's raining. There's all kinds of excuses, you know, that we can find. God bless you all for, for being in your place to come and worship the Lord this morning. But just because we're here this morning doesn't mean we have a relationship with God. Um, just because we have all the trappings of religiosity, just because we have a lot of devotion and things that we do, or we wear a little gold cross chain around our neck, or because we come to church services every Sunday, does not mean that we have a relationship with God. You know, I, um, I grew up in church. I made a profession of faith when I was five years old, and I heard a message on Noah and the flood, just like Brother Healy was talking about this morning, but that preacher, he was preaching about the terrors that were involved with those folks that, were, that didn't hear the message of Noah and the message of God, and can you imagine the terror that took place there when somebody wasn't in the safety of the ark like Noah and his family was? How terrible the destruction, the devastation, the, the, of all the flood and everything like that. And, and boy, that preacher made that come alive that morning. And it is a blessing when preachers can make the word of God come alive in that way. But boy, I was scared to death. I was scared because I knew I wasn't saved. Even, even as someone who was five years old, and, and kids don't ever forget that too, even... And, and sometimes us as adults need to re, re, keep that in our mind, too. That just because someone may be five, six, seven, eight years old doesn't mean that they don't understand the gospel, that they don't understand their sin, they understand their need of a Savior. But at that time, I knew I hadn't trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I went forward. The pastor dealt with me, my dad dealt with me, and I prayed a prayer. And I, I prayed that prayer at, at five years old, but as time passed, and I looked back at that time, I had no idea what I actually believed. I knew I didn't want to go to hell, but is that what the Bible teaches that we need to know to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. It doesn't say you're supposed to be afraid of hell to go to heaven. No, we need to believe on the Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And when I looked back at that time, as I got a little bit older, I didn't know what I believed. I, don't, I had no, nothing aside of some religious acts of praying a prayer that I could look back to at that time. And God began to deal with me and show me very clearly 
that I had never trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And, I, and at first I was a little bit confused, but I got to a point where I knew I wasn't saved. And the Holy Spirit of God has a way of doing that, doesn't he? Of showing us our need of, a sal- of salvation. As we hear the Word of God preached, you know, we may even think, well, well here I am at church. I'm doing these things. You know, I, I'm going to church. I, I'm not like all these other people out there. Shouldn't I be okay? But Holy Spirit has a great job through His Word of revealing to us, no, you're not okay. And as God deals with us about that, that was where I was at as a seven, year, seven eight-year-old boy. He's like, Ben, you are not okay. You know you need to trust Christ as your Savior. But you know what I said? But everybody thinks I'm saved. I'm a good little boy in Sunday school. I do all the things. I bring my Bible. I get all my stickers on the chart. Everybody thinks I'm I, I saved. I, I was even baptized. So... And I hate going up in front of people. If I get saved, I'm going to have to go stand up in front of people again. And that is the very worst thing you could possibly think of. When I was that age, I did not want to do that. I, that was, and, and I struggled. And I fought against God. I resisted the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I would hear preaching. And God would show me, Ben, you need to get saved. You need to trust Christ your Savior. And I wouldn't do it. And I came to until I was about 10 years old. I wish I would have wrote down the exact date when it was. But when... I got to a point, I had heard a message, I had been, been to church services that, that, that evening, and God just really spoke to me, not audibly, but in my heart, the Holy Spirit was telling me, Ben, you don't know how many more opportunities you're going to get to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you need to stop messing around with this, you need to stop ignoring me and my voice, and you need to get saved. And, and I thank God for that day when I submitted my will to the will of God. And that's really what it is. That's so many times what keeps us from trusting Christ as our personal Savior is that we want to hold on to these things. There are things that are preventing us. And many times it's our own very will. It's our own pride. It's our own resistance to want to be okay. It's, it's our desire to not submit to the will of God and what He is trying to do. Our flesh is rebellious. We, we, we just fight against God so many times, and not even just in salvation, but many times when God is trying to do something with us in our hearts, and He's showing us from His Word, the truth of His Word, that we resist that. We fight against it. But I'm thankful for that day. I, I went and told my mom, it's like, Mom, i got to get saved. I, she, didn't, she went through the Scriptures with me, and I was just like, Mom, I know the Scriptures. I just need to get saved. And so I prayed. I believed on Jesus Christ that night. I put my faith and trust in Him. And you know the wonderful thing? I can go to that old 70s style flowery couch that is long gone since then. But I know the room. I know right where I was when I placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I have such wonderful peace and assurance and knowing that I placed my faith and trust in Christ that day. And, and when I did, He saved my soul. And what, what a blessing that is. To know, and, and, and each one of us, now should yours look exactly like that? No. We each have unique experiences. We have unique ways that God deals with us in our lives and how he speaks to our heart. Um, but each and every one, I heard a preacher say this just the other day. I've heard a lot of different ways of explaining it, but, but I, I just love this. He says, if I had a piece of chalk in my hand, I can go to the place, and I can go to that place in my mom's um, piano room, where I knelt down and, and placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he asked the question, if you had a piece of chalk in your hand, could you go to that place? Could you mark a circle Amen. of where you were 
when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And, and I'm afraid there are too many people sitting in churches that I hear things. Well, it was just this kind of process that I went through. Or, you know, I've, I've had people tell me, I've been saved all my life. Well, and I ask people, I, I go and knock doors and invite people to church. Well, and the first thing is like, do you know you have a relationship with God? Very first thing, yes, sir, I do. I was baptized over here at such and such church. No, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Because we're going to find a man here in Acts chapter 10, and we're taking a little bit long way around the barn to get there. But today, we're going to find a man that as we look at him, this, this man named Cornelius, if you just took him and stood him up here today, and you find the things here that, that is written about him in Scripture, you'll think, well, he must be the model Christian. This guy was obviously someone who was, uh, I mean, boy, if we had churches full of people that had the type of devotion to God that Cornelius did, but yet was lost, boy, if you put salvation together with this type of devotion, man, we could change Nixa, we could change Springfield, we could change Southwest Missouri for the cause of Jesus Christ. But here we find this man in chapter 10, a man named Cornelius, and it, it says here that he was a certain man in Caesarea. The Caesarea was in, in Judea. It was, a, it was near the, the coast. There's a, several other uh, Caesareas mentioned in Scripture, but this is the one in near Judea and the coast. He's part of the Italian band. So this man was a soldier. This man was someone who was in charge of men. We hear in Luke uh, chapter 7 that it also talks about a centurion who had great faith. But these centurions were men who typically commanded 100 soldiers. Um, they also uh, performed different administrative tasks for the Roman army. One of the things that's unique about Cornelius was that he says he's part of the Italian band there in verse 1. And one of the things that's unique about that is likely that he was... Um, Roman born. He was a Roman citizen. He was not a soldier that was pressed into service. He was someone who had freedom, but yet chose to serve his nation as part of the military. And as a consequence of that, he would not be a very popular person in the realm of Judea because they were the one, they felt that the Jewish people and those in that region very felt much felt oppressed by the Roman government. That's why when Jesus Christ came, they're like, oh, he's going to be the king, the Messiah is going to come, we're going to throw off the shackles of Roman oppression. So the Roman soldiers were not, were not popular people. But, but one of the things that we find about him is he was not given over to all the different Roman gods and things like that. Um, here's what scripture says about him in, in verse 2. It says that he was a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So in, here in verse, verse 2, we find some aspects about Cornelius' life um, that many, as they look at those things, if they are found in someone's life, they would look to and point to as something that they have a relationship with God. Very first one that we, we find here is he was a devout man and one that feared God. Um, Cornelius was devoted to God. Boy, that, that, is a, that is a wonderful characteristic. We, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, need devotion. 
Churches today do not find a lot of folks with devotion. Um, you know, people many times have to be asked, well, where were you today? No phone call, no nothing. You know, you, you don't know if they're sick, are they dead, are they on vacation, where are they at? And, and, and too often it is the norm that people are either going to be there or they're not. And, and you know what that shows? It's a lack of devotion. It's, it's really just a lack of devotion to God. And, and, and praise God that you all are here in your place. But I know at our, our, at our church at home, there, there's folks that some are devoted and some are not. But we all need to be devoted to God in our walk with God. But not just, and I'm not just talking about church attendance either. Just in our daily walk, you know, this isn't just something that we should be finding ourselves doing, worshiping God, spending time with God, reading God's word and prayer on Sunday or on Sunday night, or on Wednesday night. With that, that is something that we need to find in, in our personal walk. It should be found each and every day, our walk with God. We, we should have our own devotion to God. And, and Cornelius, he had this. And one of the things that, that we find here, um, that he feared God. And when it talks about fear, I think we understand that he's not just talking about that he's afraid of God. He's not fearful of God in that way. But there is an element of fear that is attached with this type of fear. Um, the fear it's, it's talking about here, as, as it talks about fear, is respect and holding God in the highest regard. But it also is sprinkled in with some good old-fashioned fear as well. And we should be fearful of an almighty, powerful God. We, he, he, God isn't looking to, as many people say, strike us with a lightning bolt the very first time. He is a loving Heavenly Father. Just as you think about your relationship towards your kids and how you care about your kids and how you want what's best for them and how so, sometimes you can be very disappointed in what they do when they, they make poor decisions and things like that, but yet you still love them. You want what's best for them. You want to care for them. And, and this, this fear here, uh, Webster describes it this way. In Scripture, fear is used to express a filial or slavish passion. Boy, he uses some big words there. And that filial fear, it just means love or duty based on being a son or daughter. Um, in good men, the fear of God is a holy awe or reverence of God and his laws, which springs from a just view and real love of the divine character, leading the subjects of it to hate and shun everything that can, that can offend such a holy being and inclining them to aim at perfect obedience. You know, when we fear God, we want to do what he says. And that's how we demonstrate our fear of God. You know, that's how I demonstrated my fear of my father. I wanted to do what he said. My dad was a big guy. I mean, he, if you think I'm a big guy, my dad, was, he wasn't quite as tall as me, but he was an imposing presence. He was a lot bigger than me. And when he'd walk into a room, you know, you, you knew it. And you were, and you did, he was just one of those people you see, you know, that is not a person I want to mess with. And as a kid growing up, trust me, I did not want to mess with my dad. I had an awe and respect of him and, and what he could do if I stepped out of line. And it, and it helped me. But if we have that same type of attitude towards God, if we have respect and devotion and love to God, we are going to want to obey what the scripture says that we're supposed to do. And, and too often, we, we are told that God is our buddy, that, 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 I, that God is, is so cool, that God just, you know, he's cool with what we do. 
You know, it's not, it's, it's, just, it's just what's on the inside that matters. But we're told we're supposed to glorify God in our body and in our spirit, uh, which are both gods. It's not just one or the other. We're, we're supposed to glorify God with every aspect of our life. And when we show th- that true fear, we are going to want to obey what he says. We can't just do whatever we want to. That's not the type of liberty that it talks about in the New Testament, liberty in Christ that we have. We have liberty in Christ to not have to serve sin any longer. That, that should be our desire because we have that reverential fear of God. The next thing that we find here as we look at, at Cornelius' life, as we look back to verse 2, um, he feared God with all of his house. And then also he says that he gave much alms to the people. And so we're talking about a man who, who needed to trust Christ as a Savior. And we'll, we'll bring this out. But yet, even in Cornelius' desire to have uh, devotion to God and a relationship with God, you know what it did? It showed up in his finances. And you're like, oh, bro- brother, a guest preacher talking about finances? You know, that's all. I know it. I knew it. That's all these churches want. They just want to get into your pocketbook, right? No. No, that, that, is not all, that is not it at all. I have zero to gain from, from talking about finances here. But you know what? The scripture talks about finances. It is something that, that comes up time after time. And one of the ways that we show our devotion to God and our relationship with God, it should show up in our finances. Cornelius was somebody who hadn't even trusted Christ as your Savior. But, you know, he, he had a giving spirit. Now, the giving it's talking about here, it says, um, it says he gave much alms to the people. And what Cornelius did is he cared for the poor and gave alms. And alms is something that isn't talked a lot about in Scripture. In fact, it is talked about very much in the book of Acts. Um, tithes and offerings are something that are directed at God. And it shows our devotion to God. You know, and, and God blesses us when we give. You know, giving is such an instructive thing to us as God's people that is truly a gift to us. We miss out when we do not give. Because you know what giving teaches us? It, it says, God, you are the source. This stuff that I have, that I think is mine, it's mine. Oh, this is, this is my bank account. And this is my house and my car which most of those things aren't even ours. They're mostly the banks anyway, but that's a, that's a separate story. But even if we had it all paid off, what a wonderful thing that would be. It's still not ours. You know, and I tried to help my kids growing up, and Amelia can attest to this fact. You know, uh, there's been times when the girls would want to fight over their toys. And this is mine, and this is not. I'd walk in and go, you know what? This is all mine. That dolly right there, it's mine. That little baby... Ki- Crib and carriage, mine. You know, all your, you know, your stuffed animals that are so precious to you that you lay on the bed, it's mine. It's all mine. Now, why would I say that? It's because, Brother Ben, you're a really mean, you're a mean daddy. No, what I was trying to teach him is the principle that God owns it all. And that car that I drive, it's not mine. That house that I have, my children aren't even mine. It all belongs to him. And as we give back to him, it teaches us that God, you own it all. It's yours. And he only asked for just a little bit back. And and as we give that back, it also teaches us that God can take care of us no matter what. If he decides to take it all, just like Job we were singing about, who took it all away, you know what? He still understood that God was in control. 
He said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, that, that should be our attitude towards all the things. And that, but sometimes God brings instances and things into our life to, to teach us that in a greater way. But what a, what a blessing it is if we don't have to sometimes be taught it in a very practical sense of our need to depend on God for all things. But if we freely give it up. But as, as tithes and offerings, those are directed at God. Alms are something that is directed at men. And, and what alms are is something that is freely given without strings attached to relieve the poor as in money, food, or clothing. You know, kind of the term that we use today is charity. You know, we give to charity and things like, uh, things like that. But wrapped up in alms are, are two ideas. And within those ideas are mercy and pity. Mercy is simply giving someone, some, someone something that they don't deserve. Pity is feeling or suffering caused by the stresses of another. And, and as we give alms, it helps us to have sympathy and pity for other people. And, and that is something that Christians need a helping dose of these days. I know I do. You know, we, we see there's a lot of poor in Springfield, a lot of poor in Nixie. You drive by the intersections, and guess what? There, there's, there's people there. And they're certainly poor. There, there's no doubt. That some of them aren't. And some of them, I'm not talking about those, those type of people who are just trying to get something for nothing, who need what they need to go do is get a job. But, but sometimes we see folks like that who are trying to abuse people's kind-hearted nature, and we get this attitude that we have no sympathy, no compassion in our hearts for anybody. And many times we have brothers and sisters in Christ who have needs. There, there may be fellow believers that maybe go to another church or other things like that, that, that truly do have some, and sometimes our hearts are so hard towards other people that we, we lose our compassion. And, and we as Christians need to have compassion. We need to have sympathy. You know, some of that compassion and sympathy should also drive us to share the gospel with other people. Because there, there are so many people, you know, we think, well, there's all these churches, well, surely they should know. If you go, if you go knock doors in Springfield or Nixie, you're going to find that most people do not know. Have zero relationship with God, no idea who Jesus Christ is. And they, we need to have compassion in our heart. And Cornelius, even as an unsaved person, had great compassion for those who were in need. And we need to be challenged this morning to have that same type of need. And then finally, the other characteristic we see about Cornelius is he prayed to God always. And, and what a, a blessing that is that he redressed his request to God and always prayed. You know, it sounds a lot like praying without ceasing, just like we hear about in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And, and prayer was a vital part of Cornelius' life. And that is something that, that should be, as, as, as believers in Jesus Christ, as those who have trusted Jesus Christ, it should be characterized by prayer. I mean, it was a blessing this morning when we had a time just to ask God for His help, to pray for our hearts, for the hearts of each person that we would be blessed for the preaching of his word. But it is a, a something that we should avail of ourselves of every single day to ask God. And then you know what prayer does? It also shows our dependence on God, how needy we are. It shows us that, God, I need you every day. I can't make the right decisions. I can't be the person that I need to be. I can't even work at my job or be the husband or parent or grandparent that I need to be, God, without your help. 
And, and we have brothers and sisters who need help. They need God's grace. And, and we need that type of, we have missionaries on the foreign field who are fighting spiritual battles that we, we cannot comprehend, that we do not understand. And, and they need that help of God in their own lives. And that is why we need to pray. We need to be burdened about our prayer. And, and Cornelius found that. But as we look now, we, we see these wonderful aspects in his life. And, and God does respond and God honors that. And he sends an angel and says his prayers and the things that he does has come up like an offering to God. So God took note of what Cornelius was doing. But, but I, I think of a verse back in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. It tells us this. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Um, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, it tells us that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, one of the things that I find in Scripture is that God wants to have is, is looking for those that are looking for him. And as Cornelius was truly and diligently seeking, you know, I, it gives me great hope that as I'm, I'm talking and witnessing to people, and they're like, well, I don't know, I don't even know if God's out there. Or I'm an atheist or something. You know what I tell them? I was like, you know what? If you truly want to know, boy, I, I will be glad to help you personally know, and I can show you in God's word how you can know, but I, but I tell those, the a pe- person that tells me that, I was like, if you truly want to know, God is not going to stay hidden from you. He will reveal himself to you. And you find that time after time. You even, you even find on the mission field, you hear missionaries tell stories all the time. Somebody comes up and knocks on their door. Guy comes to the door in a foreign country. And they're like, and they tell him, I'm here just to talk to you about the Lord. He's like, where have you been? I've been praying for two years. For some, I've known that there is a God out there, that there is something out there more than, than religion is showing. I see it at this Catholic church, there's nothing there. At this Jehovah's Witness church, there's nothing there. I've looked at all these places. I talk to priests. I talk to religious people. And they have no idea how I can truly have a relationship. They're just as lost and just as confused as I am. But, but I'm looking for something. And then that missionary comes to their door God made that connection. God is bringing that person to them because he wants, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek them. And we find that the case in Cornelius' life. God wants those who are seeking him to hear the gospel. And I would tell you this morning, if you're someone who is seeking, God wants to reveal himself to you. If you... If you're confused, if you're having trouble, if you're trying to seek after God, God wants to show himself to you. But you'll notice this, that that angel that came to Cornelius as he was having this vision, it didn't say, hey, Cornelius, this is how you need to get saved. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus Christ. Why didn't he do that? It's not the angel's job. God chose us. It is, it is our job of those who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ that it is our job to share the gospel. We 
as, as an independent Baptist church are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. As, as Jesus Christ commissioned his church, that is the church's job. That is up to us as believers to share that message. And so what did he do? He sent Peter. He sent Peter to go and preach the gospel. And we'll find out if you read on in Acts chapter 10, Peter goes to Cornelius' house. God has to do some work in Peter's heart first to get him right so he would go share that message with Cornelius. But Cornelius did hear the gospel. He did trust Jesus Christ as her Savior. And, and so God did all that work, but it is our job. And that's something else I just want to drive home this morning. That if people in Nixa are going to hear the gospel, guess whose job was it? It's Sherry, Sherry and Brother Eccles' job, right? Well, yes, it is their job, but it's not just their job. Every single member of Crimson Avenue Baptist Church has responsibility to the gospel. There are people in your circles that need to hear the gospel. And they're not going to just, by osmosis, just because they know we go to Crimson Avenue Baptist Church or Brian Baptist Church, or we seem to be a pretty good person, that's not going to tell them how they need to have a relationship with God. We need to be about the gospel. We are God's messengers. We have a job to our coworkers, to those folks at Walmart, to our neighbor, to get the gospel out. Nix is a big place. There, there's a big job to do. But it is uh, God empowers us to do that. And we need to communicate that, that gospel to others. But you know, as we... As we wrap this up this morning, we see these wonderful characteristics about Cornelius. But Cornelius isn't here. You and I are this morning. You know, Cornelius had great devotion to God. He was very generous. He feared God. He checked a lot of boxes that we look for. He even had a great prayer life. And while all these things sound really good, you know what? He was missing one critical element in his life. And that was the fact that he was not born again. He had never placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He did not have, if you gave Cornelius that piece of chalk, he wouldn't know where to put that mark. He had a lot of things that he could say. But he did not have a time and a place that when he had placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He was very religious, but very lost. And he needed somebody to preach the gospel to him. And so the, the challenge for us this morning is first, do you have a desire to have a relationship with God? Maybe you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe you are a believer. Maybe you are born again. But are you seeking God on a day-by-day -day basis? Do you have that devotion? Are you desiring to walk with God each and every day? You know, we, we need him. We need him so desperately every single day. And we need to be reminded. We need to have these characteristics that Cornelius had should be found in our lives as believers. We need to have that de devotion to God. We need to have that prayer and that walk with God each and every day. We need to be in his word. We, we need to have compassion on others to share the gospel with, with other people. 
But, but this morning too, I, I know even in, in a size of a congregation like this this morning, the question must be asked, are you born again? Have you ever, has there ever been a time that you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior? I'm not asking about all those other things like Cornelius had. But have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Can you go to that spot? Can you mark that spot down where you know you have been born again? That can be taken. You know what it could be? It could be right here in Crimson Avenue Baptist Church on, on this very Sunday morning. That could be the time that you mark your spot. That says, this is when I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And what a wonderful thing that could be. If there, if, it doesn't matter if you're a church member. It doesn't mean if you're, matter if you're a deacon. It doesn't matter if you're this or that or the other. If you have not been born again, you need to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you that this morning. You know, Jesus told a very religious man, and also a seeker of God, uh, Nicodemus, uh, in John 3 and verse 3, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so this morning, the challenge is two. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your Savior, please place your faith and trust in him today. Don't, don't depend on all the religious trappings. Don't depend on anything else but Jesus Christ and him alone. But, but also this morning, if you can say, Brother Ben, I've got my piece of chalk and I've got my mark. Are you devoted? Are you walking with him? Do you have that type of relationship that, that shows the, the works of, of God in our life, not for salvation, but because we are saved? And so I just want to challenge us this morning. Um, let's have a walk with God that is, that is pleasing to God. And if you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, please trust Christ today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you for the, the testimony of Cornelius and his seeking after you. And, and Lord, as we look and we, we thank you so much for his salvation, that you did send a man, Peter, to come and share the gospel with him. And Lord, as the gospel has been presented this morning, if there's anyone here that isn't saved, I pray that you would just convict their heart and show them their need of salvation, help them to turn to you and trust Christ today. And Lord, I also just pray if there's those that aren't walking with you, that aren't devoted to you in the way that they ought in some aspect of their life, I pray that, Lord, you would just help them today to turn that over to you, to desire to have the faith and trust in you and walk with you that you desire them to have. I pray that you would just bless this time as we have an invitation, that you would just work in each heart this morning. And I pray that you'd be glorified uh, with what we say and what we do. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. Let's all stand. If God has spoken to your heart, we'd like to give just an opportunity for you to come and talk to God. You can kneel right there. Um, you can come up front here and pray. Just, but as God has uh, dealt with your heart, this is your opportunity to respond to him as he has spoken to you. Don't hold back from God dealing with your heart. 
that spiritual battle fight. But if, if the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you in any aspect, respond to him this morning. Amen. Amen. I hope you've responded to God and however He has spoken to you this morning. And, if, and sincerely, if there is someone who wants to talk about their relationship with God, uh, there's lots of people. I'd certainly be happy to talk to you after the services about that as well. I trust that everybody has placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if so, praise the Lord. And But thank you all for being here today. For the guests that are here, thank you for being here uh, today as well. Please come back and hear Brother Eccles uh, when he, he is here. I know uh, he loves having guests, and I know he hates missing when guests are here too. But, but thank you all for being here this morning. Uh, we're going to have services back at 6 o'clock tonight. I'm going to be back. So I hope that doesn't shoot anybody in the foot. I hope that doesn't discourage you from being, from being back the, the, this evening. But please be in your place, uh, members of Crimson Avenue, and, and guests, you're definitely uh, welcome back as well. So let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Be safe as you go home. We'll see you all back uh, together again at 6 o'clock. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for each person that is here today. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for the wonderful gift of salvation Lord, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for for just showing me my need of a Savior. I I pray just for um, the folks here, and I pray for those in Nixa who need to hear the gospel. I pray that you would help Crimson Avenue just be faithful about your work in sharing the gospel, that many souls can be saved, that your church can be established and grow and do great things for you here. And Lord, I pray that you would dismiss us now with your blessings. Bless Brother Eccles uh, while he's away. Give him a great trip. Help him to be a blessing uh, to his family and friends as he's traveling. And just watch over him and bring him back safely here. And just watch over us and give us a good rest of the day. Uh, please bring us all back together again at 6. And, and uh, just bless the services to come tonight. And we love you, Lord, and thank you for your goodness to us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all, and you're dismissed.